Good morning. It's good to see you all today. Um, goodness, I was really taken with this uh, beautiful moment that we had as we opened our worship service today, as we uh, created these bouquets together, uh, as we remember those that we love uh, this, this weekend. You know, this, this tradition, I think it's such a beautiful one, and I had never encountered it before until our family moved here to Alma a few years ago, and, and just how deeply meaningful it is for us to pause and remember our loved ones together. And I think that there's something that's really powerful when we see the image of the flowers that come together, because it reminds us that most of our lives, maybe all of our lives, have been touched by loss. Uh, and there's something in our loss, you know, sometimes we feel very alone in grief. And what a gift it is to remember that we are not alone, that together we support and encourage one another, that together uh, we look to the Lord and we experience his comfort. Well, friends, today we're continuing. Uh, we are in week six of our series called Spirit Lead Me. And together we've been talking about who the Holy Spirit is and how the scripture promises him as our advocate and counselor, our helper, our comforter. And yet acknowledging that for many of us, there can be this mysterious confusion when it comes to the identity and work of the Spirit. So we've been diving in together to explore what does the Scripture tell us about who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives. Now, as we were planning out this series, we thought that this Memorial Day weekend would be a helpful time for us to talk about the Holy Spirit specifically as our comforter. This is one of the names that we find for the Spirit in the Scripture. We thought that would be helpful, especially as we assembled these bouquets together. And little did we know how much more we would need our comforter these days. In light of the headlines that just rock our souls. As we think about the families in Uvalde, Texas. As we think about the tragedy and the school shooting that unfolded there. Even as we're still reeling from what happened in Buffalo, New York just 10 days before that. Lord have mercy. I'm grateful this morning here on the center table we have a special bouquet here in honor of the 19 children and the two teachers who were killed in that school. Together, in these moments, in the midst of our grief, we turn to the Lord. And we do that first. And we turn to the Lord in prayer, not because we're powerless to do anything else. We turn to the Lord because that is the first thing to do. Because when we turn to the Lord first, that becomes the most important thing to do that then shapes anything that we do next. Friends, I believe it's no mistake uh, that the Holy Spirit prompted us to think about him as the comforter today. And my prayer for each of us in our own stories as well as in the wor world around us is that we will uh, encounter our God, the Comforter, today. 
Well, this morning, as we dive into the text, uh, I've been especially looking forward to this day because not only are we uh, diving in in a very important and timely topic, but this is a special sermon that I get to co-teach today along with Becky Probst. Becky is here as an intern here at our church just for the month of May. That's a pretty short internship in a church. And today is even her last Sunday here. But I'm telling you, this girl, she's been diving in. Uh, And I love getting to know her. I can tell the Lord's calling and anointing is on her life. She has brought great joy uh, to all that she's interacted with this month. It's been a real joy for Becky and I to study together, to prepare this message together, and I know that the Lord has been stirring in her to prepare her to help us today. Becky, would you come and lead us as we dive in today? Good morning. It's such a joy just to be here with all of you today. I am just taken aback too by just seeing everybody's faces and seeing the flowers and having this place to be able to call home for the month. It's been a joy. Um, As I was thinking about comfort, kind of preparing with Erin, I started to think about the things that give me comfort. Um, And so a little bit about me. Um, Number one, I am always cold. It doesn't matter if I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, or if I'm in Michigan. My hands are always cold. My feet are always cold. I am always cold. And so when I think about comfort, I think about a warm and cozy blanket I can kind of wrap myself in and be under. Um, I brought my little pug blanket with fuzziness on it, and so I'm wearing that, or I'll wear a bathrobe, or I'm just, I'm constantly wearing something that keeps me warm, and it's cozy. I also think about, I have this adorable pet pug named Grogu. Um, I brought a picture to share. He is precious. He's got those buggy eyes that face opposite ways. He is a little, I mean, you see he fit in a little Chick-fil-A cup as a puppy, so he's just, you know, endorsed. That, that picture was actually posted by the Chick-fil-A in Colorado, so, you know, my dog is more famous than I am. I think that's a fun thing. <laughs> but um, the comfort I have when I just get in my little pug and hug him and cuddle with him, so that's just a joy for me. Um, I also think about comfort food. Um, I think we all have some of those things we can eat, like You know, if you think Thanksgiving, we all have the big turkey and all of those other things. For me, when I think about comfort food, I think first about ketchup chips. Does anybody know what a ketchup chip is? Anybody's heard of them? Okay, a few people have. That kind of makes me happy. It's a Canadian thing. My parents are Canadian. Um, I grew up in Colorado still, but I grew up loving ketchup chips, and you can't find them anywhere in America. Sometimes you find them, but it's rare. Here we just have barbecue chips, and why have we forsaken the ketchup chip? That just makes me sad, Um, but maybe that's just me. It's okay. Um, I also love Reese's Pieces or just other sweets and sugar and ice cream, and, you know, we just have these foods that give us comfort that we can eat. Um, There's so many things that give us comfort. I can also think about my favorite places to be, and that has a comforting thing to it, or maybe a comfort book or a comfort movie. There's these things we have. But how much greater than all of these things is the comfort we have in the Holy Spirit? That is a comfort that does not pass away or fail to uplift. That's a comfort that's always there for us. Um, It's a comfort that I want every person I meet to be able to experience because it's a comfort I know so well. And I know even in the darkest depths when I am broken and sad, that's a comfort that will not fail me. And that's a comfort that always brings me joy. 
Um, so that's one of the things I want to share with you today, just about that comfort and the comfort that we genuinely need. Uh, I really love this song we sang today. The, we, I loved all the music. It's always so beautiful when we get to worship together and you hear all the voices. But one song in particular we sang today is my favorite hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. That song always, every time I hear it, it just brings me into this place where I think about peace and the joy that we have together. Uh, I especially love that song because uh, my dad would always tell me the story behind the hymn. A lot of hymns came about because different people would write them and they would write the words and then later it would be put to a melody. And so the story behind it as well with my soul, if you haven't heard it before, is one of my favorites. The, um, the author, the one who wrote and penned the hymn, Horatio Spafford, he is a man who knew so much tragedy and loss. And so you think it's kind of a juxtaposition. He, he's writing about it being well with his soul, but his life was filled with grief. He had five kids and a fortune or a business in Chicago in the 1800s, and so he had everything set. He had a good life, a good family, everything there. Um, but then when his son was four, his son passed away of scarlet fever, and he had his four daughters and his wife and his fortune but the fire in Chicago broke out, and that caused just grief to pass through. He lost all of his business, all of his assets, everything. And so as he's still reeling from his son's death, from the loss of his fortune, he, said, he decides, we need a vacation, we need to go somewhere. And so his four daughters and his wife and him were going to go to England, and he sent them on a ship ahead of him, sent them to go and begin the vacation as he finished a few last-minute business things. But while his wife and four daughters were departed on the Ville d'Avre, going to England, the ship sunk, and his four daughters perished. His wife survived miraculously and made it to England, and she sent a telegram back to him saying, saved alone, with a few other words. But just that, that word, saved alone. Imagine what it would have felt like to receive a message like that. I can think about just that moment of losing everything. We've had these moments of just, you know, you hear this news and you're just wrecked because there's no words, there's nothing you can say in response to that. And so it's in this broken and grieving state that Horatio Spafford is departing on a ship and sailing to console his grieving wife who's lost all four daughters as well in England where they have almost nothing. And it's here where I just imagine him standing on the deck of a ship and the captain kind of, I don't know if it's a nice thing or a mean thing he does, but he says, sir, I believe we're passing over the exact spot where the Ville sank and your four daughters drowned. And so he's standing here on this deck looking at this watery grave of his four daughters and he's just sitting there thinking, he's broken. And it surprises me. He he thinks through and he writes out, it is well with my soul. And the first lines to that song were, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, and when sorrows like sea billows roll, just thou hast taught me to say it is well with my soul. How is it that Horatio Spafford could sit in this immeasurable grief, in this unimaginable issue, this unimaginable situation and write that there's peace in his soul? It astounds me. When I think about our lives as believers, we're not spared from any grief. We don't have it easy as believers, if you will. Uh, this world appears so broken, and we all experience hardship in one way or another. 
And we all have a story, too. When you talk with people, everyone has that story of something, someone they've lost, a, a journey they've traveled. They can look back and they see there were a lot of storms they had to walk through. And even some are walking through those storms today, um, especially as we think about just the current events of this world. We turn on the news and it's just disaster after disaster, and we're all processing it together. Even if we're not involved in this situation, we're, we're grieving with those who grieve in Texas, in New York, in all of these places across the country. In Ukraine, I still think about that situation a lot because it's just it's so near and dear to our hearts. We grieve with those. There's a strong longing in our hearts for the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit because we need it so much. We think about that. There's, we need this comfort. No blanket or food can console us the way that the Holy Spirit can. And so we need that. In the Bible, it talks about how we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. It's one of the promises, I think, is a little bit, you know, don't worry, guys, you're going to share abundantly in my suffering. It's just not my favorite promise of the Bible. Um, so how do we have peace in the midst of all of this, in the midst of this suffering as believers? Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how the role of the Holy Spirit and how he is um, just an incredible strengthener in our time of need. We've talked about keeping in step with him, about how he's, how he's our helper, how he sends us, and he's our advocate and our friend, and just that person that fills every need that we have. Um, we've seen how the Holy Spirit dwells within us and helps us daily. He is the paraclete, as Aaron talked about before, that paraclete just meaning he's the advocate, the helper, the friend, the companion, the counselor, intercessor, strengthener, the standby. And the word we're focusing on is the comforter, our helper. He is the one who will be there with us in the moments we need it. And I just love that the Holy Spirit is all of these words and so much more because these words fall so short of explaining what the Holy Spirit is and how he's there with us in our grief. And so what does that mean for our lives? How is he a comforter? How does the Holy Spirit comfort us? In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he talks about the affliction and persecution that he's receiving because of the sake of the gospel. If you know Paul's life, you know that Paul went through a lot. He was converted, and through that, he's, he'd been stoned, he'd been broken, he'd been in prison, he'd been everything negative you can think. Paul went through it for the sake of the gospel as he's sharing this. And so he writes about this to the Corinthians, but he also shares with them where his help and comfort in these, season, in these seasons comes from. Because he's not just saying, I've suffered a lot, I've suffered a lot. He's saying, I've suffered greatly, but I have this comfort. And let me tell you where it's from. So read with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I just love that. Our comfort abounds through Christ. Part of what I love is sometimes when, a Bible, when the Bible verse repeats the same word over and over and over again, then I finally get it. 
I think sometimes I need to hear something way more than once just to be able to process it. And so the amount of times that this passage says comfort and God comforts us and God's the father of all comfort and compassion, it's just a really, really wonderful reminder of that's where our comfort comes from. Here the Lord is described as the father of compassion and the God of all of our comfort. But how does this comfort of the Holy Spirit work then? If we have a comforter readily with us, why do bad things still happen? I think that's the question all of us have to face and process is why as a believer do I still have to go through these things and these broken things and lose people and walk through this life if I have a comforter? Shouldn't the comforter pull me out of these bad situations? We see in the Old Testament a story about a man who's stricken with pain and grief. Um, his name is Job. I think we all can think back to that story. We, we remember it's one of those long books of the Bible in the Old Testament, kind of in the between Psalms and in that um, section of the Old Testament. And this man, Job, loses everything. In the two chapters of the beginning of Job, or two or three, I can't remember what, Job loses his, his kids, his riches, his everything. He just keeps having, um, it's really breaking to read that, those chapters in Job because it just, someone comes and says, hey Job, you lost all your livestock. Someone else comes right after, hey Job, you lost all this. Someone else comes right after, hey Job, you lost all of this. And it's just breaking for Job because he sees that he's lost everything. He's sitting there and even his health is gone. There's just this part that's breaking in the text where he has this broken piece of pottery and Job is scraping the boils off of his flesh as he sits there in this brokenness of he's lost everything. He doesn't have anything left and he's just, there's no hope. He's sitting there in the ashes of everything he's known and realizing that everything is gone. He's lost it all. Even his wife is saying, you know, just curse God and die. It's fine. Forget it. We don't have anything to live for anyway. And so it's here then, just this broken state. I can't even imagine myself in that place. I've had, I've certainly experienced loss in my life, and I've experienced times where I felt just defeated and sitting down in some form of everything that I've lost. And it's, break, it's, it's breaking, it's crushing, but I can't even imagine this, the loss that Job has in all of those moments. He's just sitting there in this brokenness and this grief, and it's at this place where God comes to Job. God doesn't pull Job out of it. God goes into it with Job, and he sits with him. And this is where Job experiences the comfort of God, because God comes to Job in this grief, in this moment. I love the truth about God is that he doesn't pull you out of everything and say, hey, you need to be more perfect to be with me. He comes down to us. And that's the whole beauty of the gospel message, too, is that God comes into our place where we are so undeserving and so stricken with grief, and God joins us, and he sits with us in the ashes. And that's the beautiful hope. And so, brothers and sisters, we are promised the comforter. We are not promised to be comfortable. Let me say that one more time. We're promised the comforter. We're promised that Holy Spirit, but we're not promised to be comfortable. In fact, it's quite the opposite. In the Bible, it says, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. The amount of times the Bible says, hey, I promise you're going to have trouble. I promise you'll have hardships, but take heart because you have a comforter to walk through it with you. 
You're not in this alone. And it is in our uncomfortability that we truly long to be comforted by our creator. Sometimes our lives are just painful. But my friends, even in the pain of life, that does not mean that the comforter has failed you because he does not fail you. It means that he is there with you. He comes to us in our grief and he sits in it with us. The Holy Spirit comes to each one of us in our affliction and in our pain and in our grief and he sits there in the ashes with us. I worked at a camp for a long time. I did a year internship there and I absolutely loved it. Working at this camp, I did a lot of rock climbing, rappelling. I would belay for these different things. So I put a picture of a rappeller. Um, if you haven't done that, because there's not a whole lot of mountains in Michigan, um, <laughs> imagine a very big cliff. Um, it's kind of bigger than mountains here, but a really large cliff. The cliff I worked at was about 150 feet. You look down and it's just immense. And so I would help people rappel down the cliff. To rappel, you have a bunch of different gear. You've got a carabiner on, which is that thing that straps in, a rope tied through it, the rope's tied to an anchor, the anchor I'm holding on the other end. Systems and systems, you're actually attached to two different things so you can control your descent, but then also, even if you let go of everything, your belayer, or the one, the person I would be, has this rope and you won't fall. Because even if the person lets go of everything and completely like passes out, it's happened to me before where someone let go of everything and they just flopped but I'm holding the rope because they are safe there. And so that would be my job is just as people are belaying. And when you're rappelling, the first step is you have to get all your gear on and you're standing at the edge and you can look behind you and there's just a sheer cliff and you have to kind of lean backward. You see this person here is fully leaning back and kind of walking down the, the rock side. You can't walk down like this. And some people will kind of, you know, People will try to like climb their way down. No, you have to lean all the way back and put your trust completely in the anchor and in the system. And that system won't fail. It's been proven again and again. It is a system that is 100% going to take your weight, if not 100 times your weight. But you lean all the way back and you trust that system completely. And it's terrifying. The cliff is still there, but you don't have to fear it. And it's always this moment where I'm standing there at the top and I have to talk to these people and I say, hey, don't worry, you can lean back, you can trust in this. And yet all the time, whether it's a kid, an adult, I've had people of all ages come to repel there and it's, they're, they're kind of like, I don't know, uh, let me test it maybe and I don't, I don't know if I trust it. And I just imagine myself in those moments. That's how I approach faith so much. Sometimes I'm kind of like, well, the Bible talks about all this stuff. The Bible says God won't leave you, God won't forsake you, God's with you. But maybe I should just test it a little bit. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to trust my whole life on this right away. And it's that act of leaning back and putting my entire trust in it. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe not today. Maybe I'll just climb my own way down. But that's not how it works. We trust in that. Our faith is much like the anchor that holds us in safety. While we are secured by our comfort the entire time, we could stumble, we could slide from side to side, we could scrape a knee in the example. And the fear of the heights and the cliff are very real. The cliff doesn't go away every time you lean back. You know, the bad things don't go away when we trust in God. But that trust, that anchor, 
it doesn't let you down. It supports you no matter what. And I just love that. The cliff isn't gone, but the anchor holds us the entire way down. And we can lean back and trust and just walk down through all of the bad things in life and through all of the dangers. I'm curious, what is the cliff for you? What are you going through right now or people you know are going through right now that is just scary, that you have to lean back and trust? How is the Holy Spirit serving as an anchor for you? How is he helping you lean on him and rely on him in everything? I think back to this analogy a lot because I know I face a lot of cliffs in my life and I will face a lot more cliffs in my life. I feel like every day is a different thing and whether it's me just feeling defeated because I have to do homework or it's me feeling defeated because something else bad happens or someone I know is going through grief, it's just this idea that we need to trust in our anchor. And when we do, it feels like we're not even, we don't, we're not even on a cliff. We're secured, we're safe. We can look to that anchor and know that we are taken care of. And so I just love that. The Holy Spirit comes to us in our darkest moments and shows us the hope we have in Christ. And that hope can't be distorted or darkened by the tragedies we face. Because that hope, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. That hope holds us and it sustains us. I love that word hope. Um, as I was preparing for this sermon as well, sometimes I'll go to, we all have that person we know that's very wise and we can kind of go to for advice. For me, that's my dad. My dad's also my pastor back home, and so that kind of helps too. I can call him up and I said, hey, dad, I'm talking about comfort, and what do you have? And I kind of just phrased it like that, and so he kind of talked through some different things, and I just love that. You know, we all have those. I feel like every time I talk with him, I learn something new, and it's like, okay, there's my dad. I love it. Um, but he said something that I just really loved. It's comfort is the Holy Spirit reminding us that this world is not our home. I just, comfort is the Holy Spirit reminding us that this world is not our home. This isn't where we belong. We're in this place for a time and for a season. And it's so true, you know, we, have, we need comfort in these seasons and in this time. But it's not our home. We have an eternity to look forward to. This is but a glimpse of the eternity that we see. When we have moments where we gather together, we put flowers and we remember people and the brokenness. Brokenness doesn't go away. We still very much are in the mess right now. But we have an eternity and a hope to look forward to. And that hope doesn't put us to shame. That hope gives us something to stand upon and that courage to continue to go. And I just love that. Um, we, are, we as believers are heirs to an eternal glory with our Father. We're adopted into that sonship. We're adopted and we're called and we're, it said, I am yours, I'm your child. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, it says, our present circumstances and our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us through Christ. I, that verse provides so much comfort for me. Because I know that whatever I'm going through, no matter how big, no matter how small, because there's no small cliffs. Every cliff is a big cliff, and it's scary, and it's hard. But no matter what we're going through, we, ha we have this hope and this glory to look forward to. I love that. We can live our lives with a confidence and assurance because we believe in what Jesus did, and we know our purpose, and we have our eyes fixed on the eternity ahead. 
I just love that. Live your lives with your eyes fixed on Jesus. No matter where you go, you're staring at the cross. It's just beautiful. This world is only a passing shadow or a glimpse compared to the hope we cling to with eager expectation, longing for that one day where we have this eternity and this joy. And that's what we live for. That's what we're here for, is that moment when we go into eternity. We do share in Christ's sufferings, but we also share in his comfort. And as I was thinking about comfort, I was reminded of this poem or story that I absolutely love, and it's one that I constantly read again and again, and it just provides me encouragement. So I want to read it for you today. One night, I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord across the dark sky, flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand, and I noticed at, at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. And this really troubled me, and so I asked the Lord about it. And I said, Lord, you, once said I I, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. And I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. I feel like I've asked that of God before. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered in love, my precious child, I love you, and I will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And I just love that. I just imagine footprints in the sand of my life, and I look back and I think about the times where I've sat there in such brokenness where I don't have words to say. I can think about how God carries me through that and how he will carry me through every storm in my life. Because I think we all have that. Sometimes we look back and we only see one set of footprints and we think, God, where did you go? God, you've left me. God, I'm alone in this. But no, he's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's carried you through those storms. I imagine the story of Peter walking on the water when Peter kind of tentatively steps out and he's standing there and he starts to sink. And the Lord just pulls him up again and says, no, I'm here with you. Why did you doubt? Because I am here with you all the time. And he pulls us up out of that. And so our storms aren't something we're facing alone. We're never facing them alone. We can look back and know that God is there with us. Is it not so good that we have a comforter who will carry us through our storms? He does not leave us. He does not forsake us. He is there with us. Our father of comfort will keep in step with us through every moment of our lives. He's there always. And I just love that encouragement. Because we are not walking through our stories alone. We never are. We have the Lord with us. And he, we are keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, our helper and our comforter. And, you know, one thing I love about the gospel and just the story of Jesus is that, you know, it's not just for us. We hear it and it does change our lives and impact us in a very deep and meaningful way. But it's not just meant for us. If you hear the gospel and you just go into your own house and you don't share it, you're missing the point. It's for us, but it's sent for us to share as well with those around us. And I think comfort, the comfort of the Holy Spirit works in much a similar way. 
It's not just for us to receive the comfort and then say, okay, I'm good, thanks God, and that's that. It's I receive this comfort from the Holy Spirit and now I can go and share that comfort with everyone around me and I can love on those who are hurting and I can pray for the brokenhearted and I can step in those moments with them because I've stepped through those moments with God and we can encourage one another and I just love that. We are called to comfort and love others just as Jesus has comforted and loved us. And so Pastor Aaron is going to come and talk about how the Holy Spirit can bring comfort through us. Thank you, Becky. What a joy to, to hear the Lord speak through you uh, to us today. Thank you for leading us so well. As, as we consider those words uh, and that scripture that, that we're studying today, I hope it is so clear to you, God is committed to you. He's committed to you. He is your helper and he is your comforter. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit given to us. Um, and as, as this scripture that we've been focusing on today, as it reminds us so clearly, this comfort that God gives us is something that happens in us and also through us. Let's look again at this text from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that, let's catch this, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. We know that we all need comfort. That's clear. We all have places in our lives where we need comfort. And also, this scripture invites us to consider the way that there are people all around us in our daily lives who need some comfort right? We can all think of people going through difficult times, people who are hurting, people who perhaps are confused or grieving or afraid or alone. Friends, we are actually invited to join with the work of the Holy Spirit to help bring comfort to others. That's just incredible. Now, I, I would uh, uh, venture to guess in this room, we have some pretty incredible stories of the way that that dynamic is true in our own lives. Have you ever gone through a difficult time and experienced God's comfort through another person? Would you raise your hand if you've ever experienced that? Yeah, most of us in the room have experienced that, that that's one of the ways that God provides. As a pastor, I get to walk with people through sometimes some very hard and sacred moments. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, I don't know how I would get through this if it weren't for Jesus and my church family, right? Th this is what the body of Christ is. This is part of God's plan is to work through us to help comfort others, and here's the astounding thing about comfort in God's kingdom. It's this. The more comfort you give, the more you receive. The more comfort you give, the more you receive. See, when we help comfort others, God brings some healing in our own lives. I've watched that happen. I've watched that happen at funeral homes when there's a time of visitation. 
especially when it's an unexpected loss of a loved one. And I've watched that 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 person who is grieving is embraced by someone who has already walked that difficult road. And I've watched that hug, and I have heard those words as that person says, you will get through this, and I'll help you. See, in those moments, that's God working. That's our comforter working through us. I'm so grateful for this incredible care team that our church has. We have more than 40 people who are actively working, and they reach out through visits and cards and calls and meals. And I know every person on that care team knows what it is to walk through a difficult time. And that's why they're on that team, because they want to serve others in the midst of hard times. And I believe that as they serve others, they experience God's healing in their own lives as they serve others. You know, one of my favorite expressions of care is comfort food delivered on a plate, right? Love on a plate right there. Uh, I, I love it when, uh, when comfort is delivered as food. What a source of encouragement, just a reminder. We, know, we remember you, we love you, we see you. But it's not just for the person who's receiving that plate of food. You know, I believe that there is actually something healing that happens in the kitchens when someone's chopping the carrots for that chicken noodle soup. And when they're baking that bread, and when they're stirring in those chocolate chips into the, uh, into the cookie mix, I believe right there in the kitchen, it's love poured in, and it's prayers that are poured out. And for the person who gets to minister, I believe the Holy Spirit actually ministers to them as they are giving comfort to others. See, this is comfort in God's kingdom. The more comfort you give, the more you receive. Jesus described this dynamic in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. This is the section we know as the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And in the message version, it says, At the moment of being You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. See, that's the kingdom. What a beautiful way that our God works. You see, with God, there is nothing wasted. And that means that the very place in your life where you most need comfort can also be the place where God is equipping you to help comfort others. And as you do that, as you join God in what he is doing, you may experience some healing in your own life as well. So my friend, I I wonder, what might this look like in your life today? Perhaps the comforter is simply reminding you today when you feel like you're hanging off the edge of the cliff, what an image that is for us. That he is your anchor. He is with you. That he will help you. And perhaps the Lord is even bringing someone to mind right now. And he's inviting you to join him in his mission of comfort. 
And perhaps through you, God is ready to do a healing work in you as you serve others and bring some comfort. I'm so grateful for this good and generous way that the Holy Spirit is at work in and through us. As we close this teaching, I've asked Becky if she would come and and close us in prayer. And as she comes, let me uh, close this teaching time with these words from Romans chapter 5 at verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our Lord and Father, we just, I feel like sometimes we're at a loss for words, for who you are, for what you've done for us, and for what you do constantly for those around us and in situations where we feel so powerless. God, we give you the glory We give you the praise. We thank you and we thank you for all that you do for us and through us and in us because you are so good and that word good feels so small when we say it to you because we know, Lord, you are so much better than good. You're so much better than great and we thank you. Lord, we pray again just a memorial, a thank you for all of the lives that we've lost, God. We thank you for them and for the memories. And we pray just for the hearts of those who are grieving. We pray for every flower that was laid here today. And we pray for that, for the hearts, just that you will come to us in our time and our need of comfort, God. For you, Lord, are so good and you are so great. And you won't leave us, you won't forsake us. You promise us again and again that you are there. And so, God, we come to you in our brokenness and in our imperfections, and in our insecurities, God, and we thank you because of what you've done. We pray for courage and for strength as we go and we face our battles, but we know that we're not facing them alone because you're there with us. And so, Lord, I pray for every single one of every one of us today that as we leave this place and go into the world again, that we have the courage and the confidence to walk boldly in who you've made us to be and who you've equipped us because you are good, God, and we thank you. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen.